Well, welcome to, uh, is this April's meeting? No, it's March. Oh my God. Okay, so March's meeting. Um, we got Brian with us once again. He joined us in January to do just a quick chat about uh, Nova and just getting our preliminary ideas on that. Um, so now that we're, most of us, I think, are well into fermentation, he's here to go a little bit deeper of a dive on Nova, which would be super cool. Um, Average Brew, we're right in the middle of West Coast Pilsner. Uh, so I know mine will be transferred tomorrow and find. So I'll be uh, I'll be looking forward to trying that because my taps are empty right now. Thanks, Spirit. You want to say hi? <clears throat> Someone wants to say hi? Okay. Can you wave? <laughs> no. Okay. Ah! Um, I don't know, Will. What else we got to talk about? We got... Brew Club Experiment Series. I know a ton of us are doing side-by-side um, -side comparisons with Nova or Diamond versus something else or them versus each other, which would be super cool. Uh, we're going to send out a yeast survey here to collect some information for Brian and Lalleman. So that's going to be really awesome to see the results of that. Uh, I know for mine, for sure, Brian, I sent you a picture of it a couple minutes ago. Um, there's a distinct difference, at least what I'm getting. So I'm curious there to see what there, else. Yeah, there, be, there better be, goddammit. <laughs> uh, there's a clear difference, at least from the warm hydrometer samples. Uh, all I have is, like, there's a lot of cool things that we're kind of working on behind the scenes and working, and that we we not don't really have a lot of uh, texture to it, enough to, like, really make an announcement yet. Um, and so we're kind of working through some really cool things. So hopefully in the next week, two or, or a month or so we'll, we'll be able to announce more but there's just a lot of cool things i know haven and alex uh havo um and then david and myself are all kind of got our fingers into so there's some cool stuff it's on the horizon i promise it's just not enough texture not enough uh, uh meat on the bones to really want to announce it in something in a formal capacity yet although you may hear us mention it in passing so um you know kudos to everybody on the leadership team for like trying to to get some more bang out of the buck for for those of you that are paying and then even the freebies uh we're just trying to make this uh look good for everybody and and make it a, a beneficial club for everyone you bet yeah. you're, speaking you're which, I, oh yeah go ahead i was gonna say you're reaching out to suppliers for that kind of stuff right uh no i well you're the supply you're the main supplier that we've been working with uh which has been great uh we have some ideas in the works of other things we want to try to do um we're kind of just taking it what we can get right now cool uh i mean backroom drug deals are our thing brian and you're our main guy so what's up <laughs> i was gonna say <laughs> what you want <laughs> uh no hops malt uh you know we as suppliers and i've worked with a few we all work with groups like you guys uh and are always happy to engage on varying levels uh, so, um, uh, yeah, never, don't, don't be shy about reaching out. So let me put it that way. Awesome. And yeah, I got a, I got a really cool something I got to talk to. I know we discussed quarter two average brew before, um, but it sounds like plans may have shifted a little bit to where it's going to be quite a huge deal what we're going to do so I will uh, I'll shoot you an email on that um just so we can get things kind of in planning because it's it's sounding like it's going to be pretty neat um I guess yeah the quick announcement if people didn't see 
we got a new leadership member. Um, we figured we should probably start staffing this thing so we didn't get overwhelmed with all the new stuff that we were doing. So um, David O'Neill just happened to be helping me with the website. I saw his, uh, he had a Google site going for his home brewery and we, uh, I chatted with him about some questions on doing one for the brew club and David kind of jumped on and took it over and did way more stuff with it than I could ever do because mine was kind of amateur and sloppy and I don't know what the hell I'm doing with that stuff. So David just jumped on and started showing us some cool stuff that he was doing with Google Sites and we uh, we figured might as well just bring him on and just have him do that. So he's going to be uh, taking over the website and probably some more stuff, whatever we're whatever we're doing, um, just organizing stuff. So uh, yeah, welcome David. Thanks for, thanks for joining the crazy group of guys that are trying to lead this. Yes, thanks you, David. Thanks. And I think with that, I don't know, unless Will or David, you guys can think of anything else. Uh, Brian, the floor is yours. Shut up and let Brian talk. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's see here. Uh, your questions, dump them into the chat, if you don't mind. And then kind of when I get at the end here through my ramble, uh, I'll kind of start at the top and wade back down through as opposed to uh, uh, you guys uh, 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 jumping in. Uh, only reason I say that is um, that way I can get through. I've got some slides. I know we're all tired of fucking slides, but uh, this is going to be fun because I'm going to send you these slides. This is the new technical paper that we just released on Logger, and I'm going to step through a few of these pages, focus on a few, and then you guys can like uh, read it on your own time, right? Uh, so. Basically, that's what I'm going to do at the end of all this. I'm also going to spend a little bit of time talking about your brews, what you've got going on right now with the yeast that we sent out. Uh, uh, and then uh, Haven at the end, I know that you've got some form or format to where you're going to kind of compile a lot of this uh, info and then uh, we'll monkey around with that on the back end. I know that uh, folks both in the lab and I mean, marketing is always marketing, but in the lab uh, are, are kind of keen on what you guys are doing. Lab guys don't make beer. You know, they make beer in a, in a tube for data. That's what they're brewing is they're brewing data and so we come to the market with a product like nova lager uh with a good idea of what it can do but dude scientists the lab guys they're not brewers you know and they're not home brewers uh uh and the difference i say between what guys are doing on a commercial level and what you guys are doing is that you guys go to 11, right? 
commercial guys need to produce something that they can sell flat out, you know, and as a brewer for a long time, uh, I knew that the shit that I wanted to brew for myself didn't necessarily move that fast over the bar. You know, so your choice of what you can do, how you go about it, your attitude and approach is entirely different than what we get out of our commercial trials and then what we get over or off the bench in the lab. So I can't tell you how much I am thankful and grateful for your time. Now, not only listen to me ramble, you know, or my heart, uh, but for what it is that you guys are doing and the garage, the, the basement, the closet, wherever, uh, to come up with, like, this is field work, is basically what this is. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you. That being said, what are you guys drinking? This happens to be the bottle that I'm opening up uh, at the present moment, because I don't have, <laughs> I, I don't have the time to brew. <laughs> uh which is a, a a sad sad thing but uh all right, all right. there's a, a good can i like it i like it um there's a dark beer awesome um, say again uh, i think brent is holding up his west coast pills yeah it's it's pretty young so we'll see if it how it clears up i haven't done anything with clarifying or anything but We'll, we'll talk about clarification here in a bit and its role. Um, awesome. Let's see here. So I, I just see a quick uh, uh, question there, what my role is. A little bit about myself. Uh, Brian Perkey, I'm currently the senior key accounts manager at Lollamond which means I'm the old grumpy guy that they don't know what to do with. So they farm me out to, you know, the folks that I have like a long-standing relationship with country malt group, more beer, more flavor, brewer supply group, handful of other uh, smaller distributors, you know, around the country. And then, uh, and then larger brewery accounts in my territory, which is the Northwest stretches along the Canadian border out to Wisconsin. Uh, I started into the industry in 1992 at a brewery called Bridgeport in Portland. And then I went through, I'm basically, I'm on the, I'm on the five year roll. Five years at Bridgeport, five years at Full Sail here in Hood River, five years with the Gordon Biersch Group down in California. Uh, I spent a few years with Weiss Laboratories, spent a few years with Munton's Malt. Uh, I've done uh, a couple of years doing cider with uh, uh, Crispin and uh, Jester and Judge and dicked around with my own brand for a bit couple years as head brewer at a place called Thunder Island here in uh, Cascade Locks. Uh, and then I'm coming up on six years with, uh, with Lolliman. So uh, I'm about 30 years deep into this. I love what I do. I love beer because uh, it's not beer to me. It's art, it's science, it's history, it's community, you know, all, 
all by the glass. So cheers to you. Well, you're my favorite curmudgeon in Lawland if it makes you feel any better, Brian. What's that? You're my favorite curmudgeon there. So if it makes you feel any better, <laughs> you're my favorite. Dude, I, I am the angry old guy. They kind of called me that, you know. Uh, which is which which great segue into lager, you know, like our disco. Uh, you know, all things kind of like come back around, you know, what's, what's new coming up? Amber, golden ale, you know, <laughs> guaranteed that shit will come back. And it's, it's a refreshing revisit to, uh, not just an old style, but also it gets us back to some basics, right? Uh, you can't. You can't monkey around with lager, you know, because it is uh, such a, you know, traditionally, you know, a neutral or a known medium. uh, Any variation to the theme is really going to stand out or flaw is going to stand out. You know, that's why they would say an American light lager is one of the hardest styles to produce uh, because there is no room for error. You know, any any misstep along the way will uh will result in a glaring flaw so uh so anyway that's my background uh my desert island beer is ralph beer smoked beer from uh the um, uh, uh uh heller brewery in bamberg uh this is their non-smoked version their lager which actually picks up a note of background character if you're really looking for it. Uh, so it's a, it's a, uh, yeah, a nuanced smoked lager. So, prost. Yeah, someone say it's a curmudgeon of beers, styles. <laughs> I've actually been to that brewery, and I love Bamberg, and I love Shangri-La, and I I think it's a fantastic. It's like my happy place on earth. So, yeah, I've, I've been there uh, several times, uh, and then I have a, a dear friend Denise Jones who actually works for Fermentus now, uh, but she used to be the Moylan's head brewer down in uh, California, uh, and she actually moved to Bamberg to work for Vireman uh as their uh a head distiller for uh for about five years so i got to go over and visit and got the got the inside tour she she makes some she makes some really good gin and uh and they make some fantastic malt you know you talk about wanting to like monkey around with malts you know that back that backdoor deal you know i'll get you hooked up with tomas he likes beer. So, uh, all right. Uh, I'm going to show you some slides here now. So one moment while I get you squared away. Where is it? Oh, that, uh, Jesus Christ, old fucker. <clears throat> All right. Uh, so I'm going to, I'll put a link to this 
this technical paper uh, in uh, in the chat. You can download it and then uh, use it as a resource for your continued uh, logger uh, exercises and experimentations. Kind of before we get into that, I mean, we talked a little bit last time uh you know somewhat about uh you know the history and the advent of uh of the style uh some basics uh, on uh on the geese and you can correct me if i'm wrong here at the end with some questions these were the notes that i had uh, for uh for um last uh last session's talk uh, talked about the development of uh, uh, logger strains, uh, Ubanus versus Pastioris, uh, uh, and we'll get into more of that here in uh, this discussion. In fact, that's one slide I want to focus on, uh, origin of development of those strains and what we want to typically see from what we know as traditional uh, loggers in regards to uh, attenuation, uh, esters, and uh, uh, other volatiles, uh, CO2 levels, uh, uh, clarity, uh, et cetera. Uh, touch briefly on some, uh, some techniques and uh, then uh, available ingredients and supplies. So we'll, again, we're gonna revisit the, those and more. Uh, again, you're gonna get this as a reference on the back end. So I'm not gonna go through everything here, uh, but uh, uh, follow along uh, while you and I enjoy our beers. <clears throat> and, uh, and then we'll talk shop at the end. So, Loggers historically were based on uh, conditions and uh, availability uh, of uh, ingredients and control. Um, uh, modern focus is really on the improvements of uh, uh, those in, in ingredients and uh, also uh, brewing conditions. Loggers vary uh, widely uh, between light and dark. Um, uh, you can get into the BJCP and study uh, historical beer styles uh, in the lager, lager category. Uh, every beer's got a story. That's half the fun. Um, really, you know, water, malt, hops, were the basis of uh, early uh, known brewing, you know, this, uh, this uh, stuff from the uh, Bohemian region uh, dictated early representations of the style, which still hold true today. Uh, you think about not just uh, Pilsner's, from both uh, northern and southern uh, Bohemia, difference between a northern German pills and what you're going to get out of the Czech Republic, uh, but that also uh, light and dark malt based on malting technology at the time. A lot of those, if not all of those beers, were smoked. Um, 
it would have been great to uh, uh, try some of those early examples. Uh, a fun tour, if you've never done it, is to go check out the old brewing museum in Pilsen, Pilsen uh, either before or after you go to uh, you go to Urkel. Uh, we'll get into the yeast here in a little bit. Uh, water typically soft, uh, and then uh, uh, most uh, hops were uh, and or light kiln. Traditionally, six row versus two, uh, which uh, influenced um, um, mash or production styles, Garza enzymatic uh, activity. Uh, and then uh, hops, uh, um, saws, holotow, spelt, uh, all of these varieties are still used uh, uh, today by both traditional and uh, modern lager brewers. So this is kind of the slide that I wanted to uh, focus on because you know, all of those ingredients aside, really what defines lager as a style is the yeast uh, that's employed, not only for the known flavor and aromatic conditions or characteristics that yeast uh, uh, impart into a beer, um, but uh, specifically the conditions that these yeasts were able to uh, employ said muscles. So um, the original strain is Pastoranius. Um, it's a natural hybrid of uh, Cerevisiae and a strain called uh, Ubanus, uh, also a sac strain. Uh, we talked a little bit uh, last uh, time about uh, country of origin. You know, these were really, and uh, in, in terms of Ubanus, uh, from uh, the Patagonian region, uh, which really, when you think about it, you know, talk about cold conditioning. You know, this would be uh, this would be the spot. Um, uh, typically, you know, preaching to the choir here, uh, you know, cold tolerant, bottom fermenting, slower, um, um, the, it has a, a, a wide mouth range of sugars to uh, uh, be uh, uh, to 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 consume. So over time, and because this is one of the oldest strains used, known, employed, uh, typification has gone uh, deep. And we've now got three groups of lager strains. Uh, and if you look at the little diagram here, figure one, um, the OG lager strain is this group one called SAWS. Uh, uh, and this has one set of chromosomes from Cerevisiae and two from Ubanus. So 
these are the cold uh, or cryo tolerant um, strains because of the ratio of the Gubanus um, genome. Group two, uh, the Froberg classified strains uh, have two sets of chromosomes from uh, both. So a little more robust in its fermentation, a little more uh, expressive in its um, sensory uh, contribution, um, but uh, also a greater uh, uh, fermentation temp and uh, alcohol tolerance range. Now the group three ones are the new ones, which is are represented by the Nova Lager. <clears throat> This is a marketing. <laughs> this is a marketing slide. So they're calling them Renaissance strains, but we'll see what this shakes out in the next, you know, twenty years. If if indeed Renaissance, which is the company that is producing this strain, and the Lona strain, that low no alcohol strain that we were talking about earlier. Um, uh, these have three sets of chromosomes from Cerevisiae, one from Ubana. So you follow kind of the progression here. So we get a wider um, uh, efficacy, you know, across the fermentation requirements in terms of uh, gravity, uh, pitch rate, uh, cryotolerance, you know, high or low. Um, and because these guys are the sh schmooing experts, if you remember from the last talk, you know, how they're, uh, they have the ability to develop these strains. That's where the ability to incorporate in the Cerevisiae strains, the three to one that you see here on the diagram, uh incorporate into those through their hybridization techniques the no h2s the low diacetyl and good god knows what else they've got you know up their sleeve obviously something if they're gonna like label themselves as group three i mean that's pretty ballsy <laughs> so um um so the yeast strain that you guys have been monkeying with uh, is indeed unique unto itself in regards to anything that's either on the market or what you might have been able to have access to before. Now, whether it's good or not, subjective and to be determined here, but I'm but I'm hoping so. Um so if there's any questions on this one, put them in the chat and we'll get to uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, and then kind of on this slide, I also want to just talk about briefly about the fact that there are uh, uh, ale uh, Cerevisiae strains, you know, that are they're classified as an ale strain that do have a high uh, cryo tolerance think. Uh, like our Nottingham is a good one. Think a traditional like a like a Kolsch 
strain, you know, or an alt strain, you know, those those ale strains are adapted at um, uh, lower fermentation temperatures and can produce pseudo lagers. Uh, and the guys in the lab have actually, you know, found that there are several lager, commercial lager uh, strains out there that are uh, identified as a cerevisiae as, as opposed to uh, uh, Asturianus. Um, you know, and we talked about this on earlier, you can't monkey with a, with a light, clean, you know, uh, beer. Big thing about flavor control is contamination. Um, um, yeah, there's, 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 there's no room for error. <laughs> uh, other things that uh, impact uh, quality control, uh, not just yeast selection, but it's viability and uh, count and or pitch rate. I would also throw in vitality uh, as well. Um, one positive, well, I've got a lot of positive things to say about, uh, liquid yeast is that, uh, you know, harvested, uh, pitch, uh, or an active liquid pitch, its vitality, I think has an impact on, uh overall uh fermentation performance uh flavor action uh i'm not saying it's better or worse but I, there, there is a difference there uh bacteria wild yeast you don't want stuff in there um uh, monkeying around most lager fermentations take time the more time there is uh, the more opportunity for something else to take hold and take over uh diacetyl and vdks so uh a fun a fun fact and part of lager brewing and we'll touch on that here a little bit uh, in a minute uh but uh diacetyl diacetyl rests as a function of the nature of lager strains is uh is is a key step that needs to be employed uh, irregardless, and and in some cases with uh, um, uh, ale strains uh, as uh, as well. Uh, and not get get into any of the system stuff. You know how to clean a valve. Uh, one fun thing about loggers and the history of loggers is because of the available ingredients back in the day were the requirements of uh, uh, the brewers to employ step mashing, decoction mashing to develop flavor, color, uh, and enzymatic activity uh, as well. So, you know, not just low to high rest for acid, glucan, protein, sacs, uh, but also to halt um, um, uh, enzymatic activity in the mash uh, in order to create uh, body, mouthfeel, residual sweetness, the development of uh, long chain sugars uh, that, uh, that some of these colder uh, cryotolerant uh, strains couldn't, uh, couldn't get around. 
Um, here's some typical step mash stuff. If you haven't monkeyed with this in the brewery, in your home brewery, it's a it's a fun waste of time. Uh, and I say that in the most loving way uh, to uh, to develop uh, flavor profiles that I personally I don't think you, that you can accurately replicate in single infusion. Uh, so, but talking about single infusion and uh, other uh, 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 mashing um, regimes, stone brew, anyone? <laughs> uh, the utilization, and really what all that is getting at is the utilization of enzymes in order to develop the sugar and starch structure uh, in your wort in order for you to have a successful fermentation in the end. Uh, this kind of gets into uh, some of that. Uh, there's lots of way to skin a cat. Fortunately, the high quality uh, ingredients that we have, um, specifically malt, um, the enzymatic activity of malt, uh, the quality of the malt comes out of both uh, traditional and new maltsters. Don't don't discount the guys at Stone Path or Yakima, wherever. Like those guys are, you you've got a local maltster that uh, is making some really good, really really good. Uh, uh, malt for you to like monkey around with and the and the beauty of that stuff in a lager representation is that you know in, and if you get a, a clean yeast hopefully which nova lager is it allows the expression of that to really really shine so um you know it's one of the things i'll be working on with our uh some of our smaller maltster partners uh, out there is um, the use of this yeast for those beers. But no, enzymes, enzymes are your friend. I think it's hard for homebrewers to get their hands mm -hmm. on some of these. Um, this might be amylase pretty, pretty easily, but everything else has been a struggle. Okay. We might, uh, this might be a future thing. So I have some high friends in low places. Uh, bo boiling, typically extend boils, uh, DMS, uh, a nasty, nasty flavor. And unless you love rolling rock, uh, you, uh, you're trying to get rid of this out of, uh, out of your beer. So uh, vigorous boils, um, uh, van extraction, if you have a closed boil, uh, if you have a, a contained boil, uh, you know, make sure that that, uh, that evap coil that you have in there and the drip tray that you're not like just leaking DMS juice back into uh back into your beer again lagers uh light crisp clean uh none of the none of this uh cabbaged uh, cream corn garbage uh temp control uh 
primarily uh, will drive uh, esters and fusels. So your your you know the idea that Nova Lager is a, a clean fermenter at an elevated temperature. You know, even though you know we say this is one of the points that we drive in data in the lab. This is one of the things I want to talk about with you guys here uh, uh, at the at the end. Traditionally, elevated pitch rates, cooler temperatures, longer times produce cleaner beers. So um, we'll see if this proves otherwise. Um, we talked a little bit about vitality of yeast. Um, um, you know, a I've always felt, and whether I used a, a commercial pitch, like at Gordon Beers, we had a plant, we would get a keg of yeast in, uh, depending on the beer that we were making every three to five weeks. Uh, and then we would be using that for cereal repitching, get to 10 to 12 brews before that next keg would come in from the plant. Or maybe I needed F instead of uh, instead of the, the lager strain. I always felt, and this is one of the reasons why I advocate, uh, if you can, uh, harvesting and repitching, I always felt that Gen 3 would made the best beer out of didn't matter what i did when i did it gen three that that pitch uh just kicked ass you know four five six yeah sure but it was the and again irregardless of a dry pitch up the up front a liquid pitch from in-house or uh one of the the, the liquid guys so um, if you can get into any sort of a, a harvest and repitch uh, cycle, uh, I, uh, I thoroughly encourage it. And I know the Nova Lager, as with all of our dried strains, uh, work really well at uh, repitching. That's a lie. Sour VCA does not. Uh, that's that GMO strain that makes acid with ethanol should have called it kamikaze because basically it kills itself from the acidic condition. Yeah. Don't repitch that one. <laughs> Doesn't Philly sour do the same thing? No, Philly sour can repitch, but, uh, but because it's a Lysantia strain, it just, it's not happy. You know, it's like a, I akin Philly sour, like to sour VCA. I feel uh, like my grumpy 17 year old teenage son, He's just like, have to, ah, okay, oh, I'll do it, you know, but yeah, you gotta like, you kind of kick them along a little bit, you know, Sour VSA just gets it done. Three days, what do you want? Next, you know, off to the next thing. Um, diacetyl, so diacetyl is, I mean, it's just, it's common uh, byproduct from fermentation. It's going to occur uh, based on yeast strain and condition in uh, most beers. Uh, not all. There are some strains that uh, uh, either don't produce 
uh, or absorb in a quick and rapid fashion um, uh, uh, diacetyl VDKs. So the the key thing, and we all know how to do a diacetyl rest. And if you don't, here's a good little uh, primer on uh, how to uh, to move through one. Uh, it's basically allowing a free rise at the back end of your fermentation, healthy fermentation, hopefully, uh, that allows yeast to reabsorb some of uh, some of those off flavors. So, uh, and the reason I say healthy fermentation uh, is because you know, at the end, you want the beer to fully attenuate. Uh, there's no reason not to allow a free rise at the back end of your fermentation because most of your flavor development and contribution occurs at the front third of your fermentation. So the back end is all for cleanup and the yeast, specifically lager strains uh, uh, and some ale strains uh, tend to work better or absorb better at an elevated temperature. Think like your pores open up when you get hot, right? Same deal. So uh, if you're not doing diacetyl rest to, um, uh, to control and check this, uh, you should. And an easy way to uh, check if you're, uh, uh, if your beer has passed uh, a VDK test is uh, either the quick microwave method, right? Warm up a sample. Uh, or if you've got an active fermentation, you can take a sample from, put it on top of like your hot water heater, you know, or someplace warm and let it warm up. You know, you come back the next uh, morning and you can tell if it's, uh, if it's there or, or not. So um some diacetyl is appropriate for style, you know, think about Pilsner Urkel. I mean, <laughs> Urkel has actually been used as an uh, example of sensory flaw at some uh, lectures that I've been to of elevated levels of VDK and diacetyl. And yes, that's true. But if, if this was one of the first lager beers produced, they didn't know this yet. So it became part of the flavor profile of that beer, just like H2S, was part of the flavor profile of Rolling Rock. So uh, <sighs> sensory is a subjective thing and <laughs> not, sometimes not a kind of interest. Um, you know, and H2S, aside from yeast selection, which, you know, uh, the Nova Lager has been bred not to produce. Uh, here's a way to uh, reduce and or eliminate uh, uh, H2S. Um, big thing is having healthy fermentations using a nutrient. If, if you've got some adjunct in your lager, adjuncts tend to be uh, nitrogen deficient, unlike barley's, uh, or if you're doing something uh, high gravity. Um, contact time, you know, time of absorption. There's a reason 
lagering or cellaring, you know, for four, six, 12 weeks or more is a thing. Uh, and then nobody wants uh, stale beer. Uh, in this program here, you've got uh, you've got some QR codes uh, that you can get on and uh, uh, download some a little deeper dive into uh, 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 into some of these aspects. I mean, we, there's a reason our yeast is expensive. Uh, we got big teams of smart people that uh, like to study things and then share that information. So we try to make that available to you as well. Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, enzymes, um, you know, process aids also include finings. So think about uh, Isinglass and uh, other uh, auxiliary findings to help clarify uh, and or improve uh, the quality of beers, whether it's uh, through clarification or, uh, or stabilization. There's a whole range of tools and tricks that are available to the modern brewer that wasn't available to um, uh, the old timers um, back in the day. And this is some of the stuff I think I can get you uh, access to because it's easily kind of repackaged and shared. Uh, there's a with a couple of of, uh, of exceptions, unlike yeast, which is really kind of hard to break down and split up and send out and store for a long time. So, uh, ALDC again, one of these little like powders uh, or liquids uh, that can be used to basically get in the way of the um, um, enzymatic function of the development of diacetyl. So it's a, it's a trick that some commercial brewers use or employ uh, to prevent the diacetyl rest and just move a commercial product along in a quicker fashion. Six of one half, dozen of the other, or is it really, you're getting better beer out of it. It's solving an initial problem. Again, Sensory subjective. I'm old. Your kids get off my lawn. <laughs> uh, yeah, so speaking of old, you know, lager is old. It's been around a long, long time. We have, uh, we have a, we have an expectation of what a lager should be and what a pilsner should be, you know, either based on that first beer, Bud Miller Coors that you got from your dad, uh, you know, or what we've learned and grown to love, you know, along the way. So uh, it's a, it's a fun time. I love West Coast IPAs. <laughs> I like some brutes. Uh, some of the haze, some of the hazies I have a big problem with. I've met no thiol based focused beer that I haven't felt like tasted like compost. Uh, but, uh, I'm sure something will come along in time or I stumble across or I'm like, oh yeah, okay. I get it now. Yeah. That's, yeah. Nasty. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but uh, but logger loggers are fun, and again, back to uh, back to disco and uh, Barry Manilow. Uh, what's uh, what's old is new again. Wait, me? What? <laughs> no. Speaking of which, whoever came up with that poster, uh, you would not believe how many like positive and negative comments I've gotten on that thing. I think it's great. So uh, kudos on the graphic design. Java, there it is. Nice work, dude. I appreciate that. Hollow's the effing man. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Uh, no, thank you. Thank you very much. I, I, I dug it immensely. So, yeah, no uh, so, yeah, so that's, that's basically kind of what I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, I hope you're cool with that. Again, I'm going to, I'm going to provide this link. Um, I should have it primed and ready for you, but I don't, but, but I will do that. Uh, uh, and I'll put it in the chat here or get it to you, Haven, that so you can share with the with the with the group. Uh, it's downloadable. I think it's a great resource. It covers a lot of ground. There's some QR codes in there. Oh, dude, you got it. Sweet. Sweet. Thank you. Uh, I need all the help I can get. Um, uh, and it's and it is I think it's a great reflection of the development that we've done as a company not only providing you guys with i think a novel product but also old timer like me blabbing but really the technical resource for you guys to like learn and 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 develop your skills and understanding from so it's key to our core kind of mission statement you know, are we brew with you? We're not here just to sell you the widget. We want to teach you how to use it. So cheers to you. Thank you. Appreciate your time. And uh, I'm going to get to the top of the chat here and we'll go through some questions. How about that? Sweet. From a conversion to another, dude, I appreciate you. Thank you for coming on and, and uh, schooling us on some things. I appreciate it, man. Oh, yeah, you bet. The thing I love about this industry is the more you know, the less you know. You know, you're just like, fuck. Like, you can just, I mean, go down the rabbit holes. And that's what I appreciate about the guys in the lab is that, you know, there's really, there's nobody out there that knows everything. You know, I mean, rare example, you know, find a, find a Bamforth. You know, but that's all that guy is also, you know, like tunneled in to his vision of what beer is, you know, talk about old timers, codgers, you know, or Lewis or Ockert or whatever. I mean, uh, uh, the thing I appreciate about the lab guys now specifically is they've they've. They've gone a lot deeper into what they have and what they offer, you know, like science doesn't stop. You know, like that, they they don't stop, uh, and uh, and as a result, we get a new thing. That's what sour VCA was. Like nobody like went into like, oh, let's come up with this. And a bunch of yahoos in the lab out at Moscoma, you know, or like making beer, and 
in the back. And they're like, oh, we came up with an acid yeast. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> you did what? <laughs> let's, let's talk about this. So, uh, yeah. So, God bless the guys in the lab. All right. Didn't they didn't they find um, Philly Sour like on a gravestone or something? So it actually it came out of a graveyard, and the original yeah. the original number for Philly was GY dash four eight blah 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 whatever it was you know because he had uh, that guy uh, Farber who was at. Uh, you sciences there philly he's now moved on he's not there anymore but uh yeah he took his like grad students out or some one of his classes out to do swabs and they're just looking for novel yeasts you know and they found one that was actually fermentative you know produced ethanol i'm like oh well, well how efficient did it produce ethanol I'm like oh well for a lachantia strain what we know it actually does very well uh and acid hmm Maybe this, maybe there's an application there somewhere. So through, cool. yeah, so through associations with uh, the ASBC, which is the American Society of Brewing Chemists, uh, uh, he got in touch with us. You know, again, the lab guys are talking and uh, I'm like, hey, there might be a commercial application for this sort of thing, which... Again, compared to Sour VCA, I think it's kind of, you know, the grumpy teenager. Uh, but we can only sell Sour VCA in countries that allow GMO. So big part of the world, you know, this has like been a game changer for uh, uh, for them. So, uh, yes, found it in a graveyard off of a maple leaf. It came off of a maple leaf. That's so, so cool. Yeah, wow. kind of fun. And we're we're now looking for uh different yeasts the guys are like what what's the next new thing you know we've got this low no alcohol strain coming down the pipe we've got another gmo strain coming down the pipe uh uh you know what what do we need another ipa strain really now uh so corporate's got us all kind of on the hunt for uh something novel that has a good story i.e marketable marketing god damn it <laughs> but, make, but, but yeah exactly <laughs> but make but makes good beer so uh so anyway that all all that stuff is 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 coming so uh yeah so let me talk a little bit about lona low no alcohol it's been a thing right it's been a thing for a while and if you've ever tasted any of those beers you may or may not like what you've tasted based on what you know what a beer should be i haven't had one yet that i'm happy with but i'm also a whiny bitch and i will i will find the flaw in everything and there's a ton of flaws i think in na beers uh so what the gang at Renaissance, same group through hybridization, uh, that came up with the uh, the Nova Lager strain. Uh, what they've done is they've developed uh, a, a Sac Cerevisiae strain specifically uh, that does not not only 
not utilize maltotrios, which some yeast strains do. 1968 Y yeast are London, uh, the CBC one, uh, but it doesn't utilize maltose. Now there are non-maltose yeast strains out there, but there are no sac strains that don't utilize this. Uh, so it is unique. It is novel. We've got some big players that are playing around with it. Uh, and, uh, and we're launching like right now, I think tomorrow. So that's why I'm telling you guys, uh, keep it on the down low until you see like actual, like physical marketing, you know, and get them like all pissed off at me. They're already pissed off enough. Uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's super fun. And, and I think it's, it's going to make good beers. Now, the thing about this strain and why you guys, uh, might not have access to it for a while is because of the food safety element, right? This is an NA beer. Uh, it's still has a shitload of unfermentable sugars in there that need to be stabilized in some way, shape, or form. So pasteurization is really key to the partners that we've been working with up to this point, you know, but at, at some point we have to sell it to anybody that wants to buy it. Um, but uh, just like any in a condition, uh, acid levels, uh, PU pasteurization units uh, are going to be uh, key uh, in the um, not only the stabilization of the beers produced by this strain, uh, but also in flavor profile. Right, you got all the sugars in there. Something's got to balance them out. You can only throw so many hops at it, you know. But you, you got to bring a pH down. So think of a sour condition uh, ish. Uh, uh, and there in lies, I think, your guys's ability to produce a food safe and a beer or bust out your sous vide. Right. Try, try to get five gallons of bottles in a Sufi machine. Yeah, dude, no, I've, I've done that. It's no fun. It is throw, no fun. Throw the keg in uh, your electric, electric kettle. There you go. That'll do yeah, that. And, and not only that, but I found, and really where I started, I monkeyed with pasteurization was in my cider making, uh, is that it changes the flavor profile of the, of the product that's in the bottle. You know, and with cider, it came from, oh, that's a nice, bright, fresh, crisp apple off the tree to... Oh, that is delicious baked apple pie. Not what I want. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, uh, more to come on the Lona front. I think uh, official market release will be at CBC, uh, but we're uh, we're on the download release uh, here uh, this week. So, uh, tons of fun on the Lona front. She was not a showgirl. Feathers in her hair. All right. Uh, ba -ba -ba. 
Tristan, you're making a you're making an NA beer. Oh, no, Tristan's you're making a, making a. Uh, Lager. My role talked about that. Sierra Nevada Hop Splash. I don't know what that beer. What is that? Is that a NA beer? Is that a hop water? It's just hop like, water, yeah. Okay. Dude, that Lagunitas hop water is delicious. Oh, that shit's so good. I love it. Yeah. Uh, me too. It, it, so not trying to make hop water my calculator it's just like it's really good until the last like gallon and it's just like ah a stringent mess ah. <laughs> uh, uh, carbonic acid it's a thing yeah it's awful uh is there an opportunity for more group three lager strains to uh, be produced i think there is so nobody is like confirming or denying anything with me um uh i believe it is i believe it is proprietary i mean the technology schmooing is not proprietary any yeast lab out there you know can come up with a hybridized uh you know strain of anything uh it's mm -hmm. easier to go the gmo route that's why you've got the berkeley yahoos doing their thing down south that's why you've got uh uh escarpment uh doing the their thing you know north of the border and i mean the hybridization's been around forever so uh uh but the fat but nobody's really doing it so you've either got the old timers you know logsden chris white uh you know us fermentus you know been around forever uh or you've got you know coming the guys that are coming in with the crispr thing uh not two folks have the lab the resource of the lab required to do hybridization but it's coming i think imperial's doing a fair amount of, of work with hybridization right now uh uh too so uh, you, you'll start to see this stuff from from everywhere, and it and it's about time. You know, we all know yeast is easily adaptable. That's why we have so many strains available to us. You know, whether it's liquid or dry or uh, you know that business. You know, you, you can get a yeast strain to morph. You know, in relatively uh, short order. Probably about the same time as you get a good fruit fly to like you know change its genetic condition. So, <laughs> so you mentioned CRISPR. Is that is that common or has it been a game changer as as it has for everywhere else? I mean, it's, it's, I didn't know. I don't know. Yeast labs are using CRISPR technology. Yeah, yeah, they are. So there's two. So there's two types of genetic manipulation, right? So there's the. Uh, I forgot the terms. One of the tech heads above me could know it but there's the inherent type where you're just monkeying with the genes within the dna itself or you're just you're plugging in something from the outside so um um i think crispr is where 
you're, you're, you're injecting they, they inject yeah genes you're plugging into, yeah. something in as opposed to well i'm just going to massage what's there yeah. you know within the the genome itself so and i think that's where we differ from what the crispr guys are doing i mean the moscoma dudes i mean they like their beer you know concentration is two percent of what they do i think they spend most of their time in the in the bioethanol industry like i think that's where 80 percent of their resource goes that company the only reason we have an association with them is because we bought them the only reason we bought them is because they were doing all of our testing for us and then we learned it's like dude that's the only thing they're doing is our testing so yeah that was an easy acquisition uh but thank god you know because again there's we got a bunch of beer geeks back in the lab so fun but back to this group three thing i think renaissance does have a few other things up their sleeve when it comes to these group three loggers it's not just going to be nova logger what that is i don't know yet sweet uh, uh experiencing open fermentation only down at anchor so uh no there is a impact to uh atmospheric discharge maybe if you suck put a vacuum on a closed tank you could approximate what you got off of a you know think a, a sucked boil where you're you know bringing volatiles off that's one of the things you're doing through fermentation just trying to drive off flavors you know out of there so uh i've never done open fermentation myself either through like a, a cool ship induced or all the lager ferments that i did primarily at gordon Biersch, they were lager house uh were uh in the in a closed uh closed system but no there there's an experiment for you doing an open ferment versus uh versus a closed easy to do you got a five gallon bucket open closed so as long as you got a healthy vigorous fermentation going and a cap it's really interesting apparently you know if you get a large enough vessel uh the fermentation will create geometric patterns in the foam cap at the top of your open fermentation i don't think you can get that in a bucket not not surface area but like this you could see it at the squares go to anchor take the tour Go stand at the door because it's all positive, you know, pressure, HEPA filter. And uh, and if they're you doing hops or anything, you stand at the door and you smell the CO2 that's coming out of the room. I mean, it's heaven. <laughs> I'm a dork. You know, I mean, it's just, you just you know, like stand there and pass out from CO2 exposure you know, at that door. It smells so good. But you can see a pattern at the top of that cap, and it, it's, it's kind of cool. Worth checking out. I think it'd be worth checking out, but I've never done it. Sweet. Harvested yeast. Yeah. No reason not to. You know, it's like this cold tolerant stuff. Uh, it's used to sitting around. Uh, you know, it's. I think it's easy enough to do a quick uh, viability test. Tungschmier, anyone? Uh, this is my favorite yeast test of all time. 
doing uh, doing a commercial uh, uh, harvest or pitch. Like it's not just the flavor of the yeast, which should taste like clean yeast, but you get a CO2 burn across your tongue as you move a schmear over it. It dances on your tongue. You feel it. Your, your sensory is the best lab instrument that you have. So if you can like, if you can pull that off and you've got a regular rotation, uh, I mean, it was one of my favorite things to do. It's like, yeah, I know I'm going to do, I'll put some on the hemocytometer, but I know this is good. But, you know, and you do that for 10 years. You become uh, uh, calibrated as, as it were. So um, yeah, harvested yeast, because you know, it's, it's, it's healthy. It's, it's, uh, uh, it has good vitality. So. And in the right condition, you can store yeast. Uh, I mean, that, I have a whole presentation on harvesting storage and cereal repitching of yeast so there's another hour for you to waste your time listen this little timer talk uh it's fun there's no 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 reason not to if if you're if you're if you're doing it regular so uh free rise whole fermentation i think I would be nervous of that again, like your three day mark is kind of where you're in control of the, I mean, yeast, I mean, yeast wants to do its thing. The brewer is to not only provide the conditions for it to do its thing, but also to control what it does while it does its thing. And a straight free rise from the get go, I think is going to develop some off flavors. I'm going to leave it at that. Whole range of off flavors, depending on the conditions, depending on the strain you're using, depending on the ingredients used, you know, malt, etc. So, uh, there's that. That's my David. That's that's my two cents. Local buddy of mine. I don't know if you are you guys looking at the chat or you just wait for me to, to talk here. Sorry. Uh, local buddy of mine, pro brewer, doesn't do diastole rest, swears by enough yeast. He's not wrong based on the yeast strain. There are some strains that suck it right back up. No issue. As long as there's enough in there, it's healthy fermentation, you won't have a diastole issue at all. Uh, but I think that's some strains. Most strains are derived from traditional lager or traditional ale. We're talking ale, we're talking English, we're talking English ale, shit's loaded with diacetyl. Uh, he's not BSing you. The strain he's using uh, is uh, extremely efficient in performing this function. So get some, make some beer with it. <laughs> Without temp control, tolerant strains, mid 60s. Uh, again, David, uh, um, you're talking producing loggers. 
I believe so, yeah. Because I, David, correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't ferment with temperature control at all, correct? Is David still here? I think so. Yeah, sorry, I'm I'm walking around, but uh, yeah, I'm just representing for that. Um, do it occasionally, just because don't have another means, but um, happy to experiment with it. So I'll I'll certainly be okay. recording the Nova Lager results. Just awesome. So I'd love to see what Nova Lager actually does in a warmer temp condition, you know, because I haven't put anything on my tongue yet. All I've seen is, yeah, spreadsheets. Uh, but in this scenario, you don't have temp control, use kvikes, bunch of kvike strains out there, bunch of single, single culture strains, or you can find some mixed strains as well. Uh, the stuff is, it's alien yeast. It is its own freaking animal. I shit you not. I, I am, I am continually amazed at what it does. My, I have a local called Solera just right down the street. It's a block away. Uh, he lets me come mash in, mash out. So I'm, my ass isn't on front of a computer like all the time. Uh, it, it gets me, it gets me out, it gets visceral. So, uh, and he uses, he uses Boss, I mean, ours. He buys it through a distributor. I don't hook him up for free. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but it is like sour BCA. I think the Kvike strains have the ability, ability to transcend from being a, an ingredient to being a true process aid, right? Truly solving a problem. In this case, I need to make a clean beer. I don't have temp control. How the fuck do I do that? Can't do it with traditional lager strains. Oh, I'm making California common. Can't do it with a nail strain. Oh, it tastes like diesel. Uh, the Kvike strains, boom. You know, 100 degrees, meh, <laughs> no problem. How much, two days, three days, meh. You know, and that's the other thing that they do. It's like, not only do they burn off hot, fast, clean, clean, uh, but they move so fast that nothing else has a chance to take hold. No bacteria is going to get done in that time. You know, it, like it's it, it, they're alien yeast. I think a true game changer. So, uh, so kudos to Lars and the, the rest of the gang uh, up there. I think we have a lot more, tons more to learn, not only from them, the tradition of those raw beer styles, uh, but also the cultures that are fucking hanging in the middle of the bird shit ring on the barn wall you know like i dude i want to make beer from one of those things i i do i i mean it's, it might taste like ass and i would understand why but i would i would love doing it and i'd still drink that so uh so anyway kvike 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 is your friend in this regard. thanks brian i appreciate it yes, so do you does uh is Lollaman working on the other uh, kvike strains dude we've got yeah. a few but you know, it's just like, okay, we've got a horn doll. We've got another, there's horn dolls out there. Um, uh, Is that in a homebrew size? A horn doll? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, what's, uh, 
what's the omega uh the otter the uh, lutra it's lutra yes we we make lutra yes that is a that is based off of horndal as a horndal strain so we we yeah we matched it on uh we matched it up so uh so that's available i think uh seller science guys at more beer they've got they've got a horndal strain and that's different because there's several out there I and mean, there's a bunch out there but that's different from the omega one and that i think that one comes from christian hansen i think that's the origin of uh of, of that strain these could or could not be the supposed origins of these strains. <laughs> Who am I? I'm a guy in a basement. Yeah. Uh, pressure ferments. Yeah. Um, uh, this is, I mean, we're talking about open fermentation, active fermentation. One of the reasons why you're doing that, you know, just like you're trying to have a vigorous boil you're trying to drive off off flavors and sulfur is one of them so uh the only i've never so my personal experience with pressure ferments were only at only for carbonation right and that's basically one degree over play-doh before final attenuation and that hits you right around 2.4 volume CO2 in the tank, you know, and then you can move it off to a package from there, whether it's a keg or serving tank or whatever. I'm, I would think that the same would apply to uh, what you're doing, but uh, I've never, I've never had any experience nor really delved deep into the science or the reasoning why you would want to pressure ferment the entire time when part of, I think, the action of fermentation is to, just like boiling, drive off some volatiles. Yeah, bung that tank on the back end, you know, but get the flavor business out of the way in a in an ambient environment, you're not trying to contain anything or stress anything, unless you've got a clean ale strain and you've, you're trying to do something hazy, tropical, whatever, or you're trying to retain, you know, aromatic volatiles. But in a lager scenario, I think you want to, I mean, you want to get rid of that. You want to clean that up. So cream ales. Yeah. I think, you know, uh, that's, a, you're using a, a neutral ale strain. Uh, same deal. Like you, you need to get rid of some of the the volatile uh, off uh, uh, flavors, aromas, you know, through uh, through an, an active fermentation. So you so would recommend? Um, oh, right. sorry. sorry. Um, I was just gonna ask if you don't recommend to uh, do a pressure pressure ferment for lagers, then. I, dude, I don't know enough about it to say yes or no. I just, I'm telling you with my experience, I've never done a straight pressure ferment from start to finish. I'm sure that somebody's got some rationale for doing that. I'm, I, I haven't learned that yet, nor have I, nor have I ever brewed anything like that. The only time I've ever done anything pressurized is through uh, a little, 
finagle uh, or china hat uh, micromatic uh, uh, it's basically a PRV valve you know that would blow off I did blow a tank once that that was a disc <laughs> whoops sorry <laughs> uh, thank god that disc was there though but uh, but no again <laughs> That, that that that's a topic I'm not I I have no qualms saying I dude I don't know. All right. So one thing I want to throw related to that. So I you know did the uh, the Nova Logger did a, a thing like three and a half gallon batch and and I put it in a keg under under pressure 15 psi and I definitely it it right now I was just looking it's only 13 days of crew day but there's definitely a noticeable sulfur character and and I think it kind of plays in what you're saying that you just not enough not the chance to kind of push off some of those those volatiles and the gases and stuff but uh, so i guess what is what is what have you guys find in with uh, the actual like because i know the uh the marketing claims right is that sulfur production is pretty low is that kind of match up okay. with what you're seeing yeah so there's a difference between h2s and so2 hydrogen sulfide sulfur dioxide okay and what you're smelling is sulfur dioxide that's the so2 it's not h2s difference between that burnt match and rotten egg and and if you get on our I'm which, one, which one is which so the h2s is the rotten egg it's the it's 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 the fart smell sulfur so2 should be brighter crisper there should be a note in there uh it's it's traditional to the style but in a pressure ferment i can see how it can be off-putting easy way to get rid of it is bubble co through through the bottom of that tank but you just blown now you've just blown out all your carbonation right so the way to get around that is let it ferment ambient until you get down to one degree play-doh or whatever that is balling uh above final and then plug it up and now you've developed your flavor you've eliminated the so2 this yeast does not produce h2s it cannot they've bred it out so any funk sulfur that you're getting that's so2 make, make any sense yeah, yeah, I don't have a sample in front of me, but I think what you're talking about that that kind of bright matchstick kind of thing is, is is probably more what I'm I'm getting. Yeah. And sulfur is a volatile, so it's easily scrubbable. And dude, I've I've burned a lot of CO2 through the bottom of tanks in my time trying to get it down to what I think is a correct level. Uh and it's really it, all lager strains will produce an SO2. Uh, if we're going to talk about getting it down and the funk, can you please put the true disco record back on along with the uh, disco light, please? <laughs> dancing, dancing, dancing. Uh, we got the funk. <laughs> All right, so you've got the you got the tech paper there uh, at your uh, at your disposal. What beer style needs to be more popular? 
more popular. Do any of them need to be more popular? This is my subjective question. So is there one that you wish was more popular? Like the one that you haven't seen, uh, one that comes to mind is like American Amber Ale actually, or some of those that I wish would make yeah. a comeback, but it's up no. to you. Actually, what, what I would like to see more um, more of are the the they're the Eastern European smoky lactic light ales. Um, uh, uh, Lichtenhanner. Yeah, yeah, Lichtenhanner. Uh, there's one that starts with a gold, 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 like. They're all beers in a language I don't like know or understand. And I, and I, you don't find them that often. And every time I do, it's just like, ah, oh, fuck, that is, that is awesome. That is amazing. I would drink that like all day. Uh, they're light, they're crisp, the lower pH, a, a slight uh, uh, acidity to them. They're not sour beers. I wouldn't classify them as sours, you know, but because of that kind of, neutral balance they allow a lot of flavors to kind of shine uh i think i think they're 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 love lovely beers lovely beers so i'd like to i'd like again but that's my subjective thing the market is probably is like oh wait no we need wait well what amber and golden we're coming back around to that whole thing again aren't we <laughs> I mean, the one thing is, is I, I just re, I brewed a couple of really nice beers with a, the Lallemand Abbey yeast, and for a dry dry yeast that has excellent Belgian character. But I, I, I suspect, are you guys actually selling much of that? Because I don't see anybody brewing Belgian beers. Uh, we don't sell a lot, you know. So I guess that would be my vote for the style that needs to be more popular. Right, right. Um, and, and who knows, you know, like we might have, uh, you know, a Belgian resurgence, you know, think about what, uh, you know, doubles, triples, you know, the Abbey beers, the advent of saisons, you know, when the, when those started uh, rolling around back in 2005 or whatever on the craft side, I mean, DuPont has been here forever. You know, there's a reason that beer is a legend. Uh, but uh, but no, the Abbey, the Abbey does a good job. It produces those, I mean, just classic, that phenol kind of character that you would associate with a Belgian beer, if that's your jam. So uh, the wit does good on the dry side. And then the Belle Saison, which is 3711, the diastatic Saison strain. It's my favorite yeast strain of all time. I love that. I mean, makes great beer, fantastic cider. Uh, the non-diastatic farmhouse is fine. I think it's a little, it's a little too clovey for my taste. You know, that kind of pop note. So, eh, subjective. It's half the fun. Uh. And three to five years ago, if you would have asked me this question, I would have said lager and look at where we're at right now. So um, not only a nod back to something historical, but also kind of a reflex back from 
you know, just the massive hop overload that we've had, you know, over the last, you know, five, 10 years or so with the, um, just not only just the advent of IPAs, you know, but the, the hazy, the juicy, the now the, the tropical, the thigh all thing. So shaker pints, most beers in most bars, uh, shaker pints suck, but as a publican, Dude, you're not running a restaurant with correct glassware. Not going to happen, you know, uh, unless you have small place, you can control what's going over the bar and you're charging $12 a pint for theft and breakage. So it's what I love about going to Europe is, is that those little beer bars, you know, uh, they you're not going anywhere. But, you know, go to, you know, some tap house. No, yeah, no, no chance in hell. And if you find one, it's rare. It's rare. And if they do do that, like make comment. Thank you for using correct glassware. You know, it's rare. I appreciate it. There's next buck, whatever. Dried Irish ale. You're not wrong. Love like Irish ales, you know, soft on hops. Noble hops typically, you know, malt forward, dry those things out. They could be beautiful beers. How many kegs of Killian's Red did I go through in my early 20s before I got into beer, before I knew what beer was? Ar. Uh, uh, next string. Uh, in a Guinness? Guinness has an NA beer, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what, so there's lots of ways of producing NA beers. Uh, you arrest uh, ethanol development up front or you remove it out of the back end. Uh, that spirit that can get removed out of the back end, the brewer can then use in turn to make a hard seltzer. That's dependent on state. I think uh, Minnesota uh, does uh, this uh, this regularly. Hazy Sam Adams NA. I'm guessing that's a that's a strip method. The I I can't do an athletic brew at all. No, yeah, yeah. That's just that work that work thing. And that's what it did. But I did mention it. it's one of the other things about this yeast strain that we've got is that because it's Cerevisiae, it actually has the the uptake pathways for those aldehydes that contribute to that kind of sweet wort flavor, that grainy flavor. So it helps clean that shit up. It's one of the things they related, you know, I was at a, uh, a pub and there was a, a guy in there, like had a serve in the athletic ones and they were all really good, but I've had athletic ones that I bought at the store and they're not good. So I, I, I suspect that's a style, style that just does not package and does not age well, like much. Right. It's probably worse Fine. than like New England IPAs. I think they're serving it unpasteurized out of the keg. Like, hey, come have a tasting right straight out of the brewery. No chance for anything to go south. Isn't that good? <laughs> go, go buy a six pack. I'd be, I'd be wonderful if they do that. <laughs> marketing, marketing. Those bastards. Uh, Nova is. Bike lager strains clear to be from what I can tell.
I don't know. Kvike strains are not like we've looked at the we've looked at the we've had them sequenced. They're not they're not logger strains at all. They're a different animal. Really? Pressure ferments that low? Brent, what did you pressure ferment at? At 15? Yeah, that's what I did. From the start. All right. More smoked beers. I love smoked beers. Grazer. There, there we go. Lick, Lickenheiner. Yeah. Lick your Heiner. God damn it. Uh... Hey, Brian, when I said I pressure fermented at one to three, this is Trevor. Um, that's just to, to test that the fermenter actually is sealed up. And then okay. I allow it to do most of the primary fermentation at one to three PSI. I have a small, I think it's from Kegland, uh, a, a spun valve. Yeah. And then when it ups to a one degree Play-Doh from what I expect final gravity to be, I'll bump up the the regulator valve up into serving range. Yeah. Okay. No, I see, so I see far, that. I I mean, it, it's it's still, really it allows, it allows, you know, kind of a rapid off-gassing of that initial fermentation. And again, I'm thinking the first 48 hours, 72 hours right in there. I mean, that's when things really kick off. That's when you're trying to like clean, clean that beer out. So yep. usually, usually in 12 to 36 hours, I already have moved five gallons of star sand in a, in a keg that's in line with it. Oh, wow. Okay. So there's plenty of off-gassing, plenty of off-gassing. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, once you like, PSI, you could probably, you could probably get by just clearing a keg, honestly. That's probably enough head head pressure, one two psi. To build to build into a keg or 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 to clear a keg. To to to, to do like a, the star sand flush of the keg. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah. I owe I owe everyone documenting like what my what my fermentation process is, so I'll make sure I do that this 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 week for you. Cool. Is, is that gonna be part of um? the survey thing that we're sending out haven it's like it's like charts and cause I, I got a lot of temperature control things and i have my my tilt and all that hey you're muted haven haven you're muted <laughs> there we go yeah. all right i have a section in there to submit recipe pictures documents too so i'm going to collect really as much shit as everybody has on this and then we'll figure out how to display it. So I think we're going to consult with Marshall once we get the data collected. Um, to like, I kind of have a picture of like what the general brewer survey they do every year. Kind of have a picture of like building an article like that uh, to where we're collecting all of this stuff. And then if there's random things like I know half of us have tilts, half of us don't. Um, some of us had tilts in both batches. Some people waiting for a second one, second discount. We're uh, <laughs> Yeah, I gotta talk to Trevor about that. We're gonna, <laughs> Sorry, we'll we'll collect some stuff. And, I'm, and I'm working. I'm working on it, guys. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, but yeah, we're gonna get. I mean, really, all of the raw data you have, send it over. 
we'll figure out either how to incorporate it into another graph if it doesn't fit into another category or something where we can condense it. I'm just going to send the raw data then too. So I'll, I'll include a nice article on our website. Um, I'll include the nice article to Brian and Lalaman and everyone. And then to them as well, I'll just send like, here's everything else, like all the shit that we have, here it is. And we can kind of sort through it and I'll explain it. I won't just kind of throw it out there blind, but yeah, yeah. I know a lot of us collect data differently. I, I know I'm a, I'm kind of a data geek, so I have as much as I can. Um, but that'll be kind of a, a kind of a vomit of <laughs> charts and graphs and <laughs> so. And and that's good. That's what, that's what we're gonna want, especially if we can get it um, already in graph form, um, which would be nice. Yeah, we'll just include those right in there. Uh, try not to make the article too long, um, especially you know we don't want to hour-long read for us, um, but I think we'll have enough condensable stuff to, to be able to, to keep it short, sweet, to the point, show everything, and uh, and get what's needed over to Lalaman so they can see that practical data that we collected. So um, I know I've rambled on long enough here, and you probably got shit to do here on a Sunday night uh let me uh you know in advance of that stuff i'd like to uh just kind of get your uh feedback on the on uh the strain what you've seen so far brent you know i mean you you may mention that uh it is kicking out uh you know a high level of uh sulfur and in this case i'm uh, banking on this as being so2 and a in a high pressure ferment. What about uh, what about the rest of you here? I can jump in. Um, I just tested mine for the second time tonight. No sulfur on my end. Um, I didn't pressure ferment. I fermented cold. I I got them with a little. I got both diamond and nola with a vitality starter just because that's what I do. Um, so they they were active when I pitched them. Pitched them cold, fermented right around 53, 54, probably a little higher with, with temperature rise. Um, tested them today clean. Uh, there's, a, there's a distinct difference between the two, but um, holy shit, attenuation, man. I'm down to 10.04, and that thing is bone dry on both of them, and it's, they're good. I like them. What was your pitch rate? How many packs? How many pack, how many packs per five gallon? Let's put it that way. So I did one pack of Nova and one pack of Diamond in a 1020 starter for each. So it was a it was a smaller gravity starter just to get them kind of juiced up and ready to go. So okay. I don't think there was a lot of um, reproduction, at least on on their end. So I pitched them into a starter 24 hours before pitching them into the beer, and I pitched them into two and a half gallons each. So, so it was you did, over pitched for sure. You, and you did not pitch dry. Correct. Yeah, I This is this is this is this is good info. We want the, this is data we that blah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I did not pitch dry. I know I think most of us did. I just I think when I pitched the cold yeast dry when we did the New Zealand pills, I had such a huge lag time that I I have to chalk up my issues that I had with that beer to the long leg time. Um, so I've kind of adopted just doing a small 
low gravity starter um, with these. Um, have um, have you been using corn or anything else in your in your grist for that uh, for that beer? I did. I did use a little bit of flaked corn because that was a, that was the first opportunity I've ever gotten to use it in a beer. So I was super excited to try it. Um, no real corny flavors. Maybe a little bit more in the diamond batch. Okay, gotcha. Because I'm really curious about the high attenuation, which is crazily high. I think. Oh, yeah, I'm at like 92% right now, which is nuts. I've never gotten that out of a longer stream. Damn. Yeah. I'll be right back. I got to grab my charger before my computer kills me here. <laughs> Who else? I'm, I'm still uh, waiting for an opportunity for my, my uh, significant other to allow me <laughs> to brew a double batch. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, probably next weekend, we'll see. <laughs> but I'm, I'm planning on doing a, a 60 degree ferment and just dry pitching and then basic recipe. You know, I don't, I don't know if there's anything specific you want. No, what, what, yeah. just the results of whatever it is that you're doing. So Haven, I, uh, I just emailed you a copy of the fermentation sheet that we use with our commercial partners. Okay. Uh, if you can share with the group and I mean, you, you can adapt this to whatever you want to do, but it's a, it's a fun sheet that automatically populates some fermentation graphs. Uh, it has a sensory sheet in there that you can plug in uh, some attributes that will actually automatically build your own flavor kind of spider graph uh okay. it's uh it it's uh it's a cool tool any way to standardize it make it a lot easier for data collection down the pipeline like that. yeah i mean this is this is a basic sheet that we uh that we uh send out to uh to everybody that we've asked to be uh trial partners uh on the on the commercial side and uh, most of them are pretty good. Most of them are pretty good at filling that out. Sometimes they just send us our their tank sheet, and then I'll plug it in for them and say, "All right, well, I think good enough." Sweet. I'll include this as a link. I can I I can get it formatted so I can link this too. So have people fill this out as well. I'm on top yeah. of the video we're collecting. Again, just another resource. I I I, I dig it. I'm, I'm, of course, I'm a dork like that. I like tank sheets, so uh, it's a, it's a, it's a good one in a digital format. So, well, yeah, sweet, yeah, I'll get that attached. Thank you for that. Well, I didn't know if we had a time limit, but we're 45 minutes over. So, uh, cheers to you for fucking putting up with. <laughs> I'm not the old timer in the basement ramble on. I love. I think we got a five minute warning like 30 minutes ago. <laughs> well shit, yeah uh, I, we want to respect your time brian if you got to get going i know it's probably I'm, I'm not go, i'm not going anywhere anybody got any other questions that i can answer or help with yeah i was going to ask you guys about um your experience with nova lager in um consideration of the flocculation of the yeast so does it drop out really well it's not no it's not good mm -mm, not yet it's like who the, and, and, and like really you, you guys like you're doing all the schmoo you can select your attribute this that and the other thing you never thought you. Think, 
oh, loggers are supposed to be clear. How about we help in flocculation on the ass end? Isn't there isn't a direct relation between attenuation and flocculation kind of kind no. of deal? No. No. I mean, I mean, the, the only on the inverse, where if you get a highly flocculent strain that tends to drop out of solution, it will leave a less attenuative beer. But in terms of yeast in suspension, uh, it doesn't. It doesn't. You, you kind of want that. Have you ever like? Oh, I got to go rouse a tank. I need to get the yeast off the bottom of the tank and back up in suspension to like help dry that out. That extra, you know, half one degree Play-Doh or whatever it is. So, so, so your official stance is is uh, uh, find the shit out of it essentially. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You gotta clean. You gotta, you gotta clean this up. Use a gelatin. Yeah. Use a biofine. Use a use time. You know, and a and a horizontal cylinder. Y'all got that laying around in your cellar, right? No, surface area is your friend uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, long-term storage and clarification. I think I was always, I was taught at Bridgeport where we had the the horizontals, you know, in, in the tank is that the the flocculation uh, characteristic of yeast is like uh, there's stalactites and stalagmites. There's a, one one grows or hangs from the the ceiling and one holds, grows up from the floor. Tight tight to the ceiling. So tight. Stalactites. Okay, so yeah. what are stalagmites? Are from the from the floor. Yeah. And so that's kind of how yeast will flocculate out, is by positive negative ion chains that hang from the floor. So if you have a short surface area, then all of these there's only the chains have to hang somewhere, and by stretching your floor out then you get more surface area for these. Whether the dude is full of shit or not, I've always like, ah, oh, no, okay. My simple, you know, monkey brain can wrap its head around that thing. I can, all right, I know how to make clean beer. And and for the most part, it works all the time. I mean, ah, oh, surface area is your friend. Uh, but whole other range of it, you know, factors come into that. That's where findings come into play. Healthy yeast comes into play. Calcium levels in your work come into play. Uh, all of that shit impacts the flock flocculation, but that's um, why that's why lagering tanks were long and flat, big 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 long tubes. Long yeah, flat and cold. The, uh, yeah, I've been inside the uh, the lagering tanks at Budweiser. We have a plant here in Jacksonville, and it's it's uh it's yeah it's pretty cool exactly like you say. I'll, t I'll tell you what, Budweiser is really good at the bright tank. It's not so good once it gets into the keg, but out of the bright tank, it's really good. <laughs> it is. We had, uh, so at Bridgeport, I brewed from Bridgeport or for Bridgeport between 92 and 97. And right down the street was the Blitz Weinhardt, Henry Weinhardt's plant. Uh, and at that point, it had been absorbed by somebody, one of the generics out in the Midwest. Uh, so they were producing... Milwaukee ice and all sorts of crazy St. Ides, crazy shit out of that plant. 
but uh, but they had these cool old horizontal squares that were glass lined. So when the guys would go in and do CIP, I mean, they would like scrub those things out. They'd have to put the booties on so they wouldn't scratch the glass of those tanks. And that was all. And those beers I thought were delicious. Yeah, it's like Keller beer, right? I mean, that's what that shit is. Zwickelmania, you know, right by where it's super fresh, you know, before it gets packaged, before it gets cooked, for all the down, downstream shit. That's that's the representation of what that beer can be. And and for industrial shitty lagers, they were amazing. In yeah, in paper solo cups because that's all they had down there, you know, at the at the water tank. They did. They did. There was no such thing as proper glassware. Let's wine hard. <laughs> and that's the sad thing about you know the closing of those plants is that yeah okay that's not that was a technology at the time you know a glass lined cement tank you know it's the size of a fucking warehouse you know with a valve at the end and a couple spray balls it's kind of a beautiful thing. Um, would you consider the geometry of a, a fermenter at a homebrew level to be a major factor when it comes to flocculation? Probably not, right? No, you need, uh, uh, there's, you have a better chance of impacting the clarity of a beer variety of different ways other than yeah. tank tank configuration so also yeah i'm kind of doing a um little mini experiment i'm in a, a D, D group and i i'm playing a a drunken monk <laughs> and I, i'm making a i have a uh a jovian uh lithuanian farmhouse yeast that i'm i'm gonna take throughout the whole campaign and uh and uh, so far i'm on generation two have you got any recommendations to keep that keep that going i'm just how off, how often are you brewing uh this style probably two three months so right now it's the, the one i have in there is a month old yes step up those numbers but <laughs> three months it, that's 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 a long time if there's a way that you can every six weeks at the minimum like put it just put it through like a little starter a little starter okay. yeah and then keep it cold keep it no pressure uh i, I had, I had then, the lid on a mason jar pretty loose on that that's what i that's how yeah. i store it and then keep it under sterile water yeah you don't want to you don't want to you don't want the top exposed yeah uh i will haven i'll dig up the paper i've got on yeast storage awesome yeah so and that'll that'll help but dude three months yeah <laughs> i can't i don't want to like i can't drink it that fast on my own and then i can't i guess but it's more it's more my, more my brew schedule <laughs> can, you, can you make can you make smaller batches more frequently probably i haven't thought i mean about that. It, that, that's not it's something you don't want really to do geared to, yeah, i'm not really geared towards that 
yeah, it's not something you want to do all the time. It's like, fuck, yeah. this is how I got to keep this new strain alive is by brewing one gallon at a time. But <laughs> but it, in this scenario where you're doing it for a project, something to consider. You can also think of it as a like a sourdough starter and just, you know, toss toss away some, some of it and redo a, yeah. another Vitality starter. If like you're not going to be brewing for a couple of months, just good point. Throw you don't, it, you throw don't have to You don't have to brew, but you yeah. gotta keep it, keep it like keep it going. You gotta keep it up and go, up and going. Yeah. So, and they make those like can starters. Doesn't doesn't uh, Northern proper, Brewers right? do oh, one right? or yeah proper? It's it's a it's a really fun concept that I'm like really nervous about you know in the long run because our last campaign lasted like two years so I'm kind of like ugh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was thinking ah yeah, yeah, what four months five months what are no, you doing no no two years yeah it's it's gonna be a while <laughs> not fucking around perfect I'll have to I guess I'll have to up my game it's just it's it's hard finding time will with with the family and all that that's 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 really the limiting factor. Cheers, Dave. Thank you for joining, man. Good night, Dave. No worries. Was awesome hanging with you. Bye. Yeah. Ciao. Right. In fact, I'm gonna pull some right now. Why not? <laughs> 3 a.m. in Germany, Sunday night. What's that guy doing? Talking to us. Awesome. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> Any other questions? Uh, I'm looking through the chat. I don't see any. Yeah. Well, I, I could throw in one. So I noticed um, some of your 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 papers on talking about loggers. They they threw in uh, Nottingham in the mix. So what what are your thoughts about using Nottingham for producing kind of clean lager like beers and and what kind of fermentation temperatures have you had success with Nottingham? It actually works surprisingly well. Uh, uh, not only are do we have some customers making pseudo loggers with it, but we also got some customers making ciders, like hard ciders with it, because it does ferment well cold down to 45 degree Fahrenheit. What is that? What does that see? Eight, nine, something like that. Uh, and it doesn't start tasting hot until about 75 Fahrenheit. It's a reason it's our oldest, most robust and consistent strain is that it is, it, it's a workhorse. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it, it's on that list for a reason. It's a good one too. Nottingham. Yeah. That's yeah, a rock star. Just bangs out clean beers, three days, you know, like just that. There you go. I got Nottingham up to, it was by accident, but I pushed it in an imperial stout up to like 82 degrees internal temperature. Uh, so it was freaking rocking. And that won me a silver at a over competition. So shit, it wasn't really didn't get that bad. It didn't taste hot. It, it was hot. I mean, for a while. Uh, <laughs> it, it aged out. Um, okay. Uh, you haven't tasted hot till you, you finished my my rogue wave there, Haven. So <laughs> yeah, 
it's actually uh, it's in here. I'm a little scared for it. Uh, <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be doing that soon. Me and, I mean, me that, and a friend that, in 2017 decided to see how much alcohol we get in a beer, and we got 19 and a half percent. So, <laughs> so yeah, 2017 is when we brewed it. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not it's not too hot right now, you know. It's it taken it's taken <laughs> five four years. What is that? Four years? Yeah, to, to figure out, but. It's at uh, 19.4 ABV, so yeah, yeah. It's kick a lot, nice of, lot of honey and that and that uh, Sam Adams uh, genetically modified yeast is how <laughs> we did that. <laughs> See, and I think on the, on those beers, you want it to taste a little warm, just so you uh, know what you're getting into. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like slow it down. But, well, well, the yeah, idea was, yeah, the, the idea was, it was it's called Rogue Wave because it's supposed to smack you in the face. <laughs> out of nowhere bam yeah just like the oscar yeah <laughs> well um what's what's coming up on your uh what do you call in your series true brew series just average brew series average brew um, series there it is yeah yeah, Haven, what's the next one? So, it, I don't know. Will, I don't know if we should talk about it. Say, oh, too, too early. Yeah, don't Just stop the recording. <laughs> I think we're going to bail on Cezanne. And nobody's going to watch a two-hour recording anyway, so it's fine. Um, I, I would. I think, oh, yeah. I, I'll, I'll rewatch it at some point. Um, I think we're going to bail on the Cezanne idea for now. I think we might push that off to quarter three. Um, give us some, uh, especially if we're going to do a side-by-side -side between Farmhouse and Bell, what we were talking about, Brian. Um, I think we'll push that off to quarter three, so our fall series. Um, I think we may look at some sort of wheat beer for quarter two. Uh, not your standard American wheat or Hefeweizen, so something different. And it might be in collaboration with not one, but two other pretty big entities in the whole brewing circle. So uh, we're, we're in the works. So it'll be, I'll be curious to see what comes out of that. We're working on something right now. Nice. I think cool. a, a, a beer flavored beer that you can sip on on a nice warm summer day. Well, Cezanne uh, is what you, you just described there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll be, I'll be curious. We got some more chats to do, and, and Brian, I'll send you an email on it of kind of what we're thinking. Um, but we're still getting details ironed out as to what's going, if this is going to be part of the average brew or if it's going to be uh, extra. But we're looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's a style that cool. I've never brewed. Well, anything anything you want from us, just holler. Happy to, uh, happy to participate. And then, uh, again, as I alluded to at the, at the onset here, uh, you know, we're not the only yeast manufacturer in town. I've been doing this a long time. I've got contacts with all those guys. They're all my friends. Uh, it's one of the coolest things that I love about working for Lollaman is this comes directly from the patriarch, the owner, Jean Chagdon, very Quebecois. <laughs> you know, there's the French and then there's the 
there's there's the Quebec French, and they just take it they take it to a whole nother level. But his thing about this this industry on the supply side is that there is no one company that can do it by themselves. Is that we are more collaborators than we are competitors. It takes a village. Uh, we all have different stuff. Uh, and, uh, and that's, uh, that's half the fun is the community aspect of, uh, of this industry and what, uh, what we do. So, uh, so anyway, anything you want, uh, whether it's, uh, our stuff or anybody else's, I'll get you hooked up. Hell yeah. I will, uh, I will certainly let you know. Um, we've been, we've been thinking about trying to expand everything and seeing what we can do. I mean, this is all for like you said, the community, getting people the exposure through our club and supporting our members. I mean, that's that's why we do this all is it's fun to see everybody brewing and trying new things and replacing old ingredients with new ingredients that that we uh, kind of introduced them to. So it's all worth it. And in my book for the, the hours of work we put into this, it's fun. So, yeah, we'll uh, I'll hit you up about uh, quarter two. We'll figure something out. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for spending time with us. I mean, you spent two hours here, your Sunday afternoon as well with us, which is awesome. And here we go, disco lights going back in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm dancing. I'm dancing in the basement. So thank you. Uh, I would I would do this anytime. I got the uh, we got a variety of topics that uh, we can talk about. So uh, adding, adding real data to that that you can use really makes this a lot more fun for me. Honestly, yeah, this hobby a lot more. Yeah. That you'll yep. go back and use, and yeah, to to make better 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 use for us to use in the future makes just just makes this so much more fun. If you if you think you know it all, get out. Oh God, no. <laughs> I'm I'm glad my tilt graphs will be helpful after I finish drinking the beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, we'll get those we'll get that data collected over for you, Brian, and I will uh, I'll be in touch. All right. Thanks, you guys. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. the time, Brian. Thanks, Tom. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, yeah. Ciao.